Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Today, I'm going to read from a text, a sutra, called The Questions of the Naga King Sagara, which is a sacred text, and the version I'm going to read from is from 84,000.co, 84000.co, which is an organization that translates many of these old Buddhist texts, okay? So, I'm going to read to you the sutra and then i'm going to comment on it okay and but first i want to note this is called the question of the naga king sagara there's not a question here we just get a description of the setting and then the buddha's teaching we don't know what the question is or what the questions are that the naga king asks and that reminds me of another text called the Heart Sutra, which is a a much more famous and well-known text than this one. But in that one also, the question, we don't get the question, we just get the answer. So, so, and I think that's, I don't know why, but I think that's sort of interesting. So, and I'm going to tell you also Naga King Sagara, he is described as a Naga. And these are, I hesitate to use this word, mythical beings. These are supposed to be serpent men or snake men. And um, that's how they're described. Now, are they real? I don't know. I don't, I don't really speculate on that, but for our purposes also, it doesn't really matter. Just suffice to say the Buddha's talking to this king He's supposed to be, the Nagas are very wise. He's supposed to be a very wise king, okay? So, without any more, I'm going to go ahead and read the text to you. Prostrations to all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Thus did I hear at one time, the Bhagavan was dwelling at the place of the Naga king Sagara, together with a great assembly of 1,250 bhikkhus, as well as a multitude of bodhisattvas and mahasattvas. At the time, the Bhagavan said to the Naga king, Sagara, and I quote, Lord of the Nagas, if one utters these four aphorisms of the Dharma, in uttering them, one is expressing all of the 84,000 articles of the Dharma. What are the four? They are as follows. To fully engage in understanding the inexhaustible doctrine of the bodhisattva mahasattvas, that all compounded phenomena are impermanent. To fully engage in understanding the inexhaustible doctrine of the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, that all contaminated phenomena are suffering. To fully engage in understanding the inexhaustible doctrine of the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, that all phenomena are without self. And to fully engage in understanding the inexhaustible doctrine of the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, that nirvana is peace. Lord of the Nagas, if one utters these four aphorisms of the Dharma, in uttering them, one is expressing all of the 84,000 articles of the Dharma, end quote. 
When the Bhagavan had spoken in this way, the bhikkhus and bodhisattvas rejoiced and greatly praised the teachings of the Bhagavan. So, that's it. Wow, what a short, what a short teaching, right? So Buddha really just teaches a list. He really just gives the Naga King a list. But this is what's important here. It's said that there are 84,000 teachings. That is, there are 84,000 different ways to practice Buddhism and work toward enlightenment. And the Buddha is telling us these four, all the 84,000 fit in these four. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, did the Naga King ask, what's the best way to practice? Did the Naga King ask, tell me something you haven't taught before? We don't know. And we don't, we don't need to know. But the Buddha it answers whatever that question was by sharing what we call the four seals. And number one, all compounded phenomena are impermanent. Number two, all contaminated phenomena are suffering. Number three, all phenomena are without self. And number four, nirvana is peace. So the Buddha is making this claim, the, this bold claim that those four statements express the whole path. All of his teachings should fit into those four statements. I read a book once where the author said that any teaching that can't be said to explore those four, or at least explore them a little bit, is probably not a Buddhist teaching. So let's talk about them. All compounded phenomena are impermanent. Well, that means compounded phenomena is things that are put together from other things. Everything that's put together from other things is of the nature to fall apart. Everything that's put together from other things is of the nature to fall apart. Okay. Right. We know that. Right? And in fact, the longer you live in this world, the more clear that is. We see everything fall apart, including not limited to ourselves. Right? So, that's number one of the Dharma seals. It's just recognizing that. Everything falls apart. We really want to believe that we're excluded from that. We're not. Everything. Okay. Okay. Number two, all contaminated phenomena are suffering. Okay. So, um, in Buddhism, the first of the Four Noble Truths is that life is suffering. We talk about suffering in Buddhism. And uh, contaminated, that just means Everything that's influenced by the defilements and by karma is suffering. So, let's think about that for a minute. Can phenomena be uncontaminated, right? Can we get out of suffering if we stop being held down by our defilements? So, for example, even doing very good things when you're held under ignorance or hatred, for example, that sort of poisons what you do, sort of poisons what you do. And suffering, um, again, the first of the Four Noble Truths, the first of the first of the Buddhist teachings. Um, suffering in this context includes all 
experiences that are unsatisfactory in life, whether physical or mental. Okay, so the quiet desperation of day-to-day -day life. So not only is it suffering when my back hurts, but it's suffering when I'm really tired and I can't go to sleep right now. And it's suffering when I'm really worried about work. All these things are suffering. The quiet desperation of ordinary day-to-day -day life is a suffering that we all experience. In Buddhism, suffering is often described as having three kinds, though. The suffering of suffering, the suffering of change, and the suffering of the pervasive conditioning underlying the round of birth, aging, and death. So the suffering of suffering, that is like those self-evident things, those things I described, the things that you know are suffering, the things that cause us to feel averse. It's that feeling of, I don't want to feel this way. And sometimes that can manifest as, how dare you make me feel this way, right? That is the suffering of suffering. The suffering of change is can have to come in different forms, but it's really just, I don't want this to change. I want this to stay the way it is all the time, right? So it's not only if we lose something we really don't want to lose, or there's some change that we really wish would stay the same, but sort of also if we're having joys and we get bored of those, that's the suffering of change, that boredom coming into your life. That's the suffering of change too. So it's pretty common too. And then the last one, the suffering of the pervasive conditioning underlying the round of birth, aging, and death. Well, yeah, that's the hardest one to wrap our heads around, right? It's the undercurrents of something is not right here. The undercurrent of something is not right here. And it, so those first two, maybe it's a little, a little easier for us to figure out how to deal with those. And this last one, well, this is the one that we need to be enlightened to deal with, I think. That's that's what I think. So that third one, all phenomena are without self, and that's going to require some explanation. So we have learned already a collection of things. You're your car is a collection of things, obviously, you know, it has a gas tank, it has wheels, it has even on the wheels, tires, right? It has an engine, all those parts, steering wheel, interior seat. It's all a collection of things. And it's easy for us to think of our car as a collection of things. We are too, though. You have all these internal organs, you have your nervous system, your brain, arms and legs, eyes, ears, nose, right? All these different parts come together to make us. And, you know, the older you get, the more we realize that, oh, different parts sort of wear out at different times, right? The idea behind this is that everything is a collection of things and there's no center. There's no center. So in the time and place where the Buddha was teaching, people believed in a soul. They believed in a center that was connected with a god they believed in, a capital G god. And so when we say 
all phenomena are without self, there's nothing you can hold on to. There's nothing you, you can hold on to. And it can be harmful to us to think there is. That there is something at the center of our being that we can hold on to that's really me. You're a collection of parts. And so the last one, nirvana is peace. That is, there's a way out of this, though. There's a way out of suffering. And that's why we're practicing. We're, we're practicing because this is the way to enlightenment. And we believe this is the way to enlightenment. So that sums up Buddhism. It's, if it's not about accepting there's no self, dealing with suffering, accepting impermanence, and practicing to attain enlightenment, then it doesn't fit in the four seals. And so any teaching that doesn't include those things, it's probably not a Buddhist teaching. Although sometimes you may have to dig a little to figure out how a teaching is about those things. But if we can't find it, I don't know if it's a Buddhist teaching. So uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to me, and I hope this talk's been helpful. Thank you for listening, and have a good day.